Hi, and welcome to my podcast series, The New Abnormal, which aims to make sense of our COVID-19 world today and tomorrow. I'm Sean P. Lodishenesi, researcher, author, and speaker from Brand Positive. As a researcher, I've spent 20 years conducting ethnographic interviews on global projects. Along the way, I've been lucky enough to have met some amazing people, from psychologists to activists to creatives, some of whom I'll be talking to in this series. I'm also the author of The Post-Truth Business, which focused on trust, empathy and privacy, while my second book, Influences and Revolutionaries, looked into innovation, behavioural change and the climate crisis. So, I hope you enjoy the interviews, and if so, please tell your friends, leave a rating and watch out for our other episodes. Now, without further delay, let's crack on with today's podcast. So today I'm really pleased to be joined by the incredibly interesting Tamira Snell. She's the senior advisor at the renowned Copenhagen Institute Future Studies. Uh, They equip and inspire individuals and organisations, decision makers and the public to act on the future today. Tamira has a background in cultural sociology and her field of passion is people to understand emerging needs, the drivers and barriers behind why and how we live and think, behave and consume the way we do, and to investigate the behavioural patterns and cultural consequences of broader societal currents. She's an expert advisor who guides organisations in exploratory insight and innovation. So, Tamira, hi, and how are you? <laughs> Hi, and uh, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Thank you for having me. No, no not at all. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, here I am, and it has to be said, a rather uh, sort of a chilly Brighton by the sea. Where are you today, Tamira, and uh, what's the weather like where you are? Uh, not much better, unfortunately. I'm sitting here in Copenhagen, longing for sunny beaches, uh, beautiful sunsets, but it's rainy and it's cold and it's windy as well. <laughs> Well, in terms of being cold and windy, I know, I'm sure we'll talk about this later on, but I, I know you mentioned before that um, uh, I know you've got a, a boat, a catamaran, and you're planning to uh, circumnavigate uh, the world. So uh, perhaps before we do anything else, go on then. Tell us about that, in fact. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's uh, you have to then uh, you have to stop me because then I can then I can talk for hours. But uh, it's been a it's been a long uh, well an old dream of ours. Uh, my husband's and and and, and mine uh, actually we lived in in Malaysia um, eight years ago and we were sitting on on an island and we were looking at the stars and it was just so beautiful uh, and we were like wow we have to see everything there is to see in the entire world. So we shook hands that night and we were like, one day we're going to do a circumnavigation, Uh, also being passionate sailors, of course. Uh, So it had to be uh, by the means of that uh, type of transportation. Um, And since then, we've been uh, looking for the right boat. Uh, We bought a boat a couple of years back, a catamaran. Um, and uh, yes, now it's uh, it's rather a big puzzle to actually plan a, cir- a circumnavigation. Um, also, due to the last couple of, of years of the pandemic, it doesn't make sure. it any easier to travel yeah, the yeah. world. Um, but it is uh, really a dream of, of ours, uh, a way of also experiencing the world. As you mentioned, I'm a cultural sociologist, so 
My passion is to live and experience different cultures, different ways of living, understand people, uh, have talks with them, you know, about everyday life and dreams and expectations for the future. Uh, so it, when we reach that dream, it will be a dream come true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, can I ask, by the way, I, I know back in the day um, you were a goldsmith. So um, perhaps in terms of talking us through how you got to where you are now, um, yeah, perhaps just perhaps start there. Because I know you did uh, sociology and cultural studies at Goldsmiths and then went off to um, uh, to uh, the wonderful Malmo University um, to uh, do an MA in culture and media. But perhaps yeah, just talk us through, um, so, you know, again, how... Uh, why that inspired you so much in terms of those particular subjects uh, and uh, and mm. how your uh, career mm. path progressed from there? Well, actually, my time at Goldsmiths is, um, I would almost refer to it as, a, without sound, sounding too serious, a kind of an awakening. Um, it, it was a, one of the most amazing places to actually uh, have the opportunity to study uh, and, and, and especially sociology and cultural studies. Um, however, I actually initiated a little bit before that. Um, I started a degree in design um and and uh, i um i moved to italy and um and worked for a, a fashion designer there also for uh, for a while and then while i was finishing my my design degree i all of a sudden i realized well i <sighs> I'm not uh, born for designing. Um, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not creative enough in that sense. That what triggers me is actually understanding why we change tastes and lifestyles, and and why all of a sudden it isn't yellow anymore, but it becomes purple or Bordeaux. Yeah, um, yeah. And 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 why all of a sudden we need open kitchens instead of closed spaces. Uh, so so I really realized dr during that journey that. Um, that was my uh, that was my main interest, and then I started looking for uh, how could I actually learn more about that. And my um, my late aunt, she was an anthropologist, uh, and I always had really interesting talks with her about uh, people and about society. And she was actually the one who said, "Listen, you need to go to England." because uh, they have a very long tradition in terms of sociology and cultural studies. Um, so I started to, to look for um, universities there, and luckily I stumbled upon Goldsmiths uh, and, and ended up there. Uh, so that was a, a, yeah, my, 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 the beginning of my journey. Um, and, and, uh, and then, as you said, later on, I then... Actually, I took a little break in between my, my BA and my master's. Uh, so I went to Milan. Mm -hmm. um, and while doing my, uh, my degree in London, I was already then um, freelancing a lot for various uh, trend forecasting companies. That had been kind of like my, my bridge between my design background and then initiating sociology and cultural studies. Uh, so working within trend forecasting, um, I did that, uh, already before London in Italy and in, um, in uh, New York. Uh, and then after, uh, London, I moved to Milan 
um, continued working for Trend Forecasting Company before then returning actually to Copenhagen um, and commuting back and forth uh, to Sweden to um, to finish my master's and, and almost working full time uh, as well during that time. So it was uh, it was intense, but it was actually also it was such a gift to uh, to move uh, constantly between theory and practice, right? And yeah. To uh, to see how I could I apply uh, everything I was learning at the same time. Mm, how interesting! But I have to ask, in terms of the places you've mentioned, so you know, talking around sort of Copenhagen and New York and and London, etc., and Milan and elsewhere. Um, I mean, is there a a, a particular place now that you would look to as being you know where it's happening uh from the point of view of your almost sort of you know ground zero for a um for a sort of trend location that is super dynamic is there is there somewhere you know, from where from where you're sitting right now in Copenhagen as you look around the world you look at the map you do think you mm-hmm. know what if I was somewhere else right now I would like mm-hmm. to be in x mm-hmm. because it's so dynamic is there anything <laughs> when it comes um, to mind yeah, it's actually a very good question because I think it really it really depends on what you're looking for. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Because when when you're in Copenhagen, uh, so much is happen happening on the gastronomic side of things, and also when uh, r- with the regards to sustainable uh, new trends, uh, etc. Yeah. Uh, and then again, if you want to really look to multiple ways of living i still find london fascinating and new york and and those cities and uh one uh and then uh, in terms of digital uh, innovations and trends i've always thought that asia is just so interesting uh to 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 go to and be inspired from and and yeah, uh, see how it's buzzing. So I, I think it's a good question, but it's also a very, very difficult question to actually answer. Uh, it depends on the yeah what you're looking for. Mm. Obviously, I always remember this certainly um, uh, when one was doing a lot of traveling uh, prior to um, uh, the pandemic. I mean, certainly whenever I was in Copenhagen or somewhere like Stockholm or uh, um, or Helsinki, etc., um, it was always fascinating to me to be sort of in, in, the, in that part of the world. And everyone would be saying, yeah, "What's what's happening in London?" I'd be going, "It's a lot more interesting here in terms of always fun." Places like Copenhagen, so inspiring and dynamic uh it was uh absolutely extraordinary so go on then so in terms of um uh what you get up to at the um copenhagen institute of future studies uh perhaps just talk uh, take us through that because i mean there's such an interesting organization obviously it's been going um since the late 60s uh, with a really stellar reputation so uh yeah go, go on then just talk us through um uh, what it is that you get up to um well i <laughs> It is really an interesting organization. I have to agree with uh, with you on that. I have been with the Institute since 2013. Um, I've been both uh, uh, externally associated, um, like an external consultant uh, for periods of time and then also full-time um, based as I am now again. Um, and I always refer to the Institute as my long-lasting love story. Uh so it's a it's a place where uh, such an inspiring place because we're so many uh, we come from various backgrounds uh, very uh, interdisciplinary um, 
I work with uh, economists, uh, psychologists, um, historians, uh, and and we all kind of uh, have a passion for for our own disciplines and 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 have um, definitely uh, not the same perspectives on the future all the time, and yeah. that contributes with uh, such lively conversations and discussions, and actually also enriches the output i'd say um so just to yeah it, it is a fascinating place i have to agree with you on that so i f- I, f- mm. I feel very very lucky to um to be there and with the colleagues that i that i have mm. um and also the projects that i engage with um so so um what am i up to uh well it's it's almost like um every day is a is different right um mm. because we do so many different things of course my um field uh, my 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 focus area is uh, people and consumers um i'm very engaged in understanding the drivers on uh, of behavior and how we can expect that to change and and investigating the implications of the mega trends that we are focused on and and how that will then impact on our future behaviors. Mm. Um, and I do that largely in the context of consumption um, and, and also uh, in relation to health, actually. Yep. So I, I, I'm kind of, I have a, a, a foot in, 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 in each. Because that, of course, entails both, and, and do interrupt, Sean, please. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it entails both, uh, of course, a lot of presentations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am uh, hired uh, by various different organizations and companies uh, to come and and kind of, it can, it can both be as, uh, as part of a conference they're having mm. where they ask me to come and kind of help them up in the helicopter a little bit um, mm. and, and, and give them some perspectives, um, uh, give them some food for thought uh, that they, because people tend to, when it's the everyday uh, going and you have deadlines and everything. Uh, I know that from myself, but yeah. then you kind of get stuck in your own own siloed way of thinking. And you know, you have to you have deliveries. You have uh, it's about operations, right? And, mm. and, and getting it done. Um, so actually, it's not that people are not aware uh, of of the things happening, but sometimes they just forget about it. Yeah. So I, I'm asked for you know giving them that time. To, to think about a little bit again and, and that can be in either yeah, presentations and, and workshops and mm. workshops where they work with with these perspectives more in depth um, yeah. for, for a day or two um, uh, and then of course also longer projects uh, where we work uh, the Copenhagen Institute for Future Studies one of our um, specialities um, or key offerings is scenario planning Mm. So the projects that I'm engaged in are uh, then focused mainly on scenario planning. And my contribution is again then on the output for the future user or consumer or citizen mm. uh, in terms of their behavior in, in uh, or lifestyle uh, lifestyles in different scenarios. Mm-hmm. And I always think it's so interesting um, when you're talking about 
if you like the uh, almost like the, the polarities that one deals with, or perhaps all parts of the spectrum, perhaps, but one could say that one deals with. So you're talking about you know the, the future of um, citizens and uh, and all things therein, perhaps in the current context where um, you know we're looking at uh, potentially uh, another uh, world with uh, Trump as a U.S. president. Yeah. Uh, God help us. Um, um, or uh, on the other side, talkings you do about. Um, uh, the day-to-day reality of uh, the kitchen of the future mm-hmm. <laughs> or sort of um, the issues of the future of work or space, etc. Um, but just talk uh, on that side, just in terms of, because you mentioned it earlier on, so that particular point about, um, I think as you put it, you know, uh, um, colours, kitchens and spaces. So um, you know, why? what can we learn about and what can we understand about people from the point of view of things like uh, just the, on one side, the the banal reality of kitchen culture, and on the other side, the incredibly dynamic culture of what that actually represents and what it says about us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's um, it's actually been a while since I've been looking at kitchen culture, but I think it's it's really interesting to see uh, how that relates to also the the shift in family constellations, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the yeah. shift in our work lives um and uh, and you'd say it, um i remember that looking at this this way that the kitchen and the, and the how, where in the house the kitchen was also placed right yeah, yeah. Uh, because in early beginnings it it was uh, back uh, in the back end of the house because it was not for the it was not the family who was cooking right it was it was the um um the the um, what do you call that? The the employees, the the yeah yeah sure, uh, and uh, and then slowly over time, the the kitchen moved uh, into having more of a central role uh, as part of like a, a meeting place for the family, getting back from work and from school, and um, and wanting to actually be together and have that time together, a socializing. Uh, um, it became like a, a, a socializing element, right? Yeah. Um, and and that is really interesting. Also, now when looking ahead, and we see that we are becoming uh, well. Of course, we have a, a much larger variety of family constellations uh, yeah, today, yeah. and also looking into the future. There's n- not just one way of being a family of four any longer uh, and also the rise of single uh, households actually um, even in the nordics uh, also in in asia in, in in many many countries we see this as something that is increasing dramatically and and what effect is that then going to have on the kitchen as space uh, in 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 the in our homes uh, so in, in in terms of that it opens up uh, a lot of interesting discussions especially when you're talking to, um, well, uh, um, kitchen producers or uh, even large companies like IKEA, where they are so focused on on all the different elements of the home, right? The, the, the bathroom, the kitchen, the living room. So, so understanding that ecosystem and how that is going to change going forward, depending on uh, um, how we are living as uh, individuals. Mm. Mm. How interesting. And then um, from the point of view of other scenarios that one is looking at, um, I thought it was very interesting. Um, the, uh, I mean, for instance, I mean, The Economist uh, 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 very recently talking about, you know, where we are in 2022. And, you know, they talked about, you know, um, a whole range of, you know, 
points that they are sort of a, if you like, hanging things on. So they had titles like, and I was read about 10 of them. So, you know, democracy versus autocracy, you know, um, the pandemic mm. to endemic, you know, inflation worries, the future of work, the new tech lash, mm. crypto growing up, climate crunch, you know, travel trouble, you know, space races and political footballs. Um, I mean, let's say from the point of view of, I know one of the, the, the really biggest issues you mentioned earlier on, just that the, the epic impact, we'll talk about climate later as a, as a real, obviously, existential issue for all of us, but the epic impact of health, mm. the future of health, um, healthy lifestyles, and how, um, how states are acting around public health and how individuals are acting around taking charge of their own health and, and mm. how, if you like, that the, the health um, establishment um, links into all of that. So when you're looking at um, uh, the future of health and scenario planning around health and innovation in health from the point of view of products and services, perhaps just take a suit just a couple of things that... Um, that interest you in particular that perhaps you've been looking at um, recently? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think what is um, really interesting when it comes to health and the future of, of, of uh, that area is, of course, um, how, how we need to look at it uh, from a, a holistic point of view. Uh, so we need to understand... Uh, um, how the new biology, for instance, is playing a huge role in terms of we're really making large discoveries in terms of genetics and genomics and everything there that's going on. Uh, The same goes for health technologies. Uh, Everything that is becoming more and more possible for not just systems and data flows and, and, and the digital aspects, but also in terms of our uh, opportunities for self-monitoring our health in in yeah, different yeah. ways, and that is, you know, that is developing constantly. Um, and of course, also all the challenges involved in this, you know, the, because making data flow and all the, you know, the, all the the the, the different uh, privacy rights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So sure, it's not just, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 not easy going getting, you know. Um, getting the data to, to flow and actually using all the opportunities inherent in it. Uh, and it shouldn't because there are also so many different, you know, ethics and, and uh, involved. Um, and then another huge aspect of, of the future of health is, of course, how the entire health landscape is changing. Um, so, so new uh, private actors like uh, Google and and. Uh, Amazon and you know that are uh, trying to actually uh, um, kind of disrupt um, the 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 health landscape as we've known it in 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 many countries uh, where it's been mainly you know the the public health system providing the health and uh, and, and and making the health discourse so we, we see a lot of shifts going on and then of course in all that my main interest is again the behavior and and how we yep. see that people are responding to this um, and and uh, and that is not I mean that's really complex as well because it's not just a, a, a one-way uh, reaction um, we're seeing here but but what I found was really interesting actually um, was to also study this 
uh, I mean, this this area of behavior um, the last couple of years in uh, in relation to the pandemic. Um, and what what we discovered, and it was also in a collaboration with um, with a research uh, research agency that we collaborate with. Um, that we have one of our megatrends at the Institute is individualization. Um, and I think everyone can agree that uh, since the, well, the, the last 30, 40 years, uh, the focus on the individual has increased. Has, has increased. Um, it has been also for brands and organizations a matter of actually targeting the individual, uh, uh, understanding the individual, uh, also making customized and personalized services and offerings um, because we want uh, we want it uh, uh, now and we want it, you know, where we are in that exact moment and we want to fit it to, to, um, to our personal needs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in, in the sense, we have been what many would say in the top of... Um, the pyramid of needs of Maslow's uh, pyramid yeah, yeah. of needs in the self-realization, right? It's been, it's been uh, about ourselves. Um, and, and what we saw during the, the, the first year of the pandemic, what I really thought was interesting was that in terms of, of the main needs that we prioritized, it started to shift so it wasn't self-realization anymore. It became much more in the lower levels of the pyramid. Yep. So the more basic needs around feeling healthy, uh, both physically, not getting uh, um, COVID, uh, but also mentally. Finding uh, tactics and strategies for actually keeping sane. Um, yeah. It became about safety and security. You know, how could we uh, protect ourselves? How could we feel safe, even though it was this uncertain world that all of a sudden, you know, just <laughs> exploded around us? And 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 feeling, you know, control, establishing new routines in everyday life, where we were homebound and living in our bubble. And then, uh, lastly. Um, how to fulfill our social needs, uh, feeling close to one another, being on a distance. So all yeah. of a sudden, you know, it shifted and became, you know, that a new sense of community and belonging kind of uh, became in focus. And I, I, I think we all recall, you know, when people were singing to one another on the balconies in Italy, right? So, so, so finding these way of connecting. Um, and and I think I think that was really interesting to see that you know how how uh, um, health and, and and health futures can also uh, evolve in the sense that that when we are struck with a pandemic um, that we as people actually of course some of these restrictions were forced upon us but still you know that we have we have. Um, we have needs as people that are, we, we are social human beings. It's in our DNA. We need to find ways to kind of still feel connected with one another. Absolutely. And, and you're talking there earlier on about um, individualism being one of the, uh, one of the mega trends that, uh, that the Institute looks at. Um, mm -hmm. Perhaps just give us another one as well, that um, one of the other uh, mega trends that you focus on. Um, 
Yes, well, one one of the other megatrends that we look at and and um, that I think is really interesting is immaterialization. Um, so, uh, immaterialization is uh, is the other side of uh, what is material, and it and it, it again it leads to um, our consumption of goods and services and experiences. Um, so what what we look at, and, and, and the reason why I also think it is interesting is that it's actually one of the megatrend that, uh, megatrends that is it's more difficult to measure uh, because how do, we, how do we measure immaterialization? Um, well, of course, we can do that in the sense that uh, with the rise of the entire uh, experience economy in the 90s, uh, all of a sudden experiences... Uh, got uh, an increased value in brands' connection with their consumers. Um, so, so understanding how uh, how that is kind of evolving, kind of like a um, kind of like a staircase. So I don't know how you can uh, yeah, like a progression yeah, yeah. from 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 being. Uh, only about a product that was being sold uh, um, to to then building a service around it. And then it became all about the experience that was also a part of, of the product and the brand. Um, and, and then seeing how another a, a less material part of, of a product or brand became about the whole relationship. Um, and I think that has been largely a part of of uh, brand building um over the last 10 20 years so so how could you make that re- or create that relationship uh with your consumers so they could kind of know who you are in a way that you would also think about a friend or a family member uh so that can all of a sudden, and that I, I guess that is also with the, with the rise of, of social media. But but you know that um, um, that relationship building and and uh, the 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 dialogue or the um, how consumers would actually interact with brands and demand and expect interaction, um, but also um, if the brand wasn't consistent or isn't consistent, how that would then you know, create a shitstorm. So, so, and 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 what we see now, and what I think is really interesting in terms of uh, that mega trend in materialization is building another layer. So it becomes kind of like an onion all the time. You know, like <laughs> um, one layer at. Now we're we're looking at what we um, refer to as the transformation economy. So going from experience economy to transformation economy, and looking at how in that relationship with with a brand and a consumer um that that there is there seems to be an increasing need or expectation for the brand to help the consumer actually transform him or herself or or move in in a direction or you know it kind of create a um a movement 
Um, yeah. Not just in terms of the, the most easy is how can a brand help me to become a better me in terms of sustainable living, for instance, or uh, healthy living. Um, but also in terms of, um, well, another... Um, uh, area that I, I that I looked at is okay when when we decide to um, to move to move house so put our flat or house up for sale and we need to find uh, so it's kind of like a, a shift in your life phase or a shift in your in your everyday life that is an, another way where you kind of expect also to have that kind of uh, um, um, guidance or interaction with a brand in terms of uh, transformation. Mm. How interesting! I, I, I love the, uh, the the idea behind the whole transformation economy angle. And um, okay, just so perhaps it's sort of a, a slight sort of sideways move from the point of view of when you've been talking as you were earlier on about scenario planning, different viewpoints on where the future may take us, where the future may lead, etc. Um, I mean, a, a lot of people tend to look at these things through, you know, um, when they're doing the scenario planning through, you know, the, the deliberate, you know, obvious prism of, you know, utopia versus dystopia. And we have certainly seen a lot of dystopias um, uh, yeah. in the sort of not too distant uh, future. Um, but also from the point of view of, um, I think as uh, Rutger Bregman put it, you know, in his book, sort of Utopia for Realists, um, um, you know, how one can actually look at uh, things uh, being far more ideal but from a realistic perspective and, and how mm. does one get there also noting actually just how many things actually are you know obviously a lot better for uh, many stroke most people um so from the point of view of you know um the first bit of that almost dystopia is when you're looking at things that perhaps society or organization um organizations or individuals c should be worried about uh, from the point of view of short and medium term futures where do you um what, what do you sort of almost you know, warn your clients about what do you warn organizations and state actors and, and on brands about in terms of um things to look out for mm -hmm. um it's a very i think this is one of the uh, yeah it's such an interesting uh perspective because you're completely right that when we're building uh, when we're building scenarios together with our um, clients or um, members we do look at different alternative uh, futures but these alternative futures have of course to be possible futures or plausible futures um, and, and, and understanding that sometimes it's not a desirable future uh, it's not the normative future, right? We need, we need to look at, okay, the, the, uh, we could end up in a very good place, uh, um, but we could also end up in a place that we really actually don't really wish to end up, but how are we then going to navigate? Mm. How, how, how can we make a strategy? How can we build on that knowledge and prepare ourselves if that is a plausible scenario? Um, and of course, again, it, 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 it is context, uh, context specific. So it really depends on what kind of project you're 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 um, you're working on, or what kind of client or industry um, sure. you're yeah, in? Yeah. Um, but I I it do have, and and that again is from the people perspective, and that is uh, the the more short term um, scenario where I'm talking about uh, learning how to hug again. 
mm. learning how to mm. be, be close again, not on a distance, but, but because we've been talking about, oh, now we're in a, a, a low touch or no touch economy mm. and how, and, and that of course refers often to, you know, how it, our consumer journey should be seamless um and and it should be as as easy for us to pay with our mobile phones and not and and also in the in, and then in the light of the pandemic not having to touch anything right sure yeah um yeah. so but on the other end of the scale is actually how we've been so limited um the last two years um and and so you know hugging a, a close family member has almost been you know, a weird thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so, so looking into the very short-term future, um, and and being these social uh, people that we are in in our DNA, uh, we 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 need to actually uh, be conscious about uh, the the not creating creating a fear society, but actually, you know, mm. understanding. All the good things uh, that comes from actually being uh, close uh, to one another, to families, to friends, to colleagues. Mm. Um, so, so, so building, yeah, uh, kind of not not just not building on that we have to uh, uh, be as distant to one another as we can, and and uh, continuing the no touch economy in all sense of aspects of the everyday life. Um, so that that is why, and then on on, I guess on the medium to long term, in terms of being worried, I talk a lot about um, polarization, and you you touched upon that before. Yeah. yeah. Um, um. But we and polarization is actually one of our megatrends as well at the yep. Copenhagen Institute. Yeah. Um. So it is it, it is a megatrend that we've been working with already prior to uh well for the last. 20 years um yep. but we have seen um a development in terms of polarization not just in in um in terms of rich and poor but also uh urban and rural for instance yeah, yeah. uh um and also now especially the um the healthy and the unhealthy paradigm if yeah, you can yeah. say that yeah uh, um not only linked to uh, the pandemic, but also in terms of uh, an increasing uh, disease burden uh, relating to lifestyle diseases, uh, yep. obesity, etc., um, and and how that is creating a divide and and uh, forming uh, also uh, echo bubbles and and and, yeah, and also yeah. um, various kinds of uh, ex exclusion. Um, and perceived truths. So, so, so yeah. that is um, that is something that I am uh, that that we try to work actively around and presenting and and making people aware of. Mm. Mm. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but um, I think oh, absolutely. I was listening actually only this morning to to an excellent piece um, put out by the BBC um, with regards to the uh, the, the um, um, increasing noise from the very large orange um, blimp that is Mr. Trump, um, but, but but also to say that that issue around polarisation um, 
just talk about American politics for a second from the point of view of Democrats and, and the Republicans. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, absolutely fascinating. And, you know, and, and how the, uh, and, and what the perceptions are, um, uh, which we are, we're seeing obviously replicated in many places around the world, as you, as you mm-hmm. totally know about, um, mm-hmm. uh, polarization from the point of view of populist politicians and, yeah. uh, and, and how they're perceived. Uh, and let's say just on one very brief thing, how interesting it is when one looks at um, populist politician speeches, yeah. and one can almost, as we all know, you you, you can literally uh, you can almost print out a, a populist speech, um, and and then uh, um, uh, while listening to the populist politician of one's choice, um, literally just tick off what they're saying because they always say the same thing mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Um, from the point of view blaming the outsider uh, and um, uh, praising the. Uh, uh, the audience in front of them etc etc um so there's certainly that issue of polarization i think as you're saying is is such a fascinating one it's such a dangerous one in many many ways um uh and we're just seeing um in a again again in a an ever um flux like world which has never changed um just how those um the levers are being pulled um Mm. and obviously Mm. it's a it's, it's a deeply uh deeply worrying thing can i say on that side of things without um looking at sort of party politics but from the point of view i mean we certainly look to places like sort of denmark as being sort of bastions of stability compared to the other side let's say of the atlantic um um you know and 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 with denmark and i'll sort of link into you know north of you that the sort of the scandinavian countries just seem to be in in many many ways areas that people aspire to be there's so many plus points around um the scandic region the northern european region but they're also naturally minus points as well of course there are so i mean how do you sort of look to that from the point of view of um does it feel a very utopian where you are (laughs) compared to uh, (laughs) if one was in um, sort of the the midwest right now (laughs) oh i'd wish that it was a feeling a little bit more utopian maybe uh, then yeah. i wouldn't be planning for a circumnavigation <laughs> <laughs> no i i mean it, you're right in uh, we have uh, we're building on a strong history of course of mm. welfare state and and a welfare model um and and um less polarization as well um however this is changing uh, mm-hmm. even here um, and there are also uh, differences uh, between the Nordic countries. Um, sure, of course, yeah. So, so, um, but, 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 uh, we definitely see how, uh, and I, I, I think in all of Europe actually as well. I, I mean, of course, the the, the horror example is uh, is still Trump, but we we are mm. still seeing uh, a lot of things happening in in all of Europe and and in England mm, mm. in in, in of terms of polarization. Um, so, but I mean, we, we are, um, uh, I think we have managed, uh, this crisis that we've been in, uh, quite well in terms of, sure. yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we are not in an economic crisis yet. Um, mm. house markets have been booming, still are, mm. uh, we've been, we've been quite successful in, in, the shift of our work lives, uh, working from homes and working digitally and, you know, the rise of Zoom towns and whatever mm. you call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, but but uh, we, we definitely there 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 are a lot of cracks as well, if you ask me. But um, mm, mm. my husband will say that I'm also a pessimist. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, well, as one says, I mean, certainly when we look at, you know, all those talks around the, the future city, the donut economies, um, you know, the 15 minute city, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, certainly Copenhagen um, um, is always um, put up there as being, you know, a, a shining example of a, of a city that um, shows us um, uh, a wonderful way of living, certainly when one is um, um, elsewhere, should we say. But what about to, to, to switch things? Um, OK, so, I mean, certainly, you know, for the clients, for the organisations, for the state actors that that, that uh, the Copenhagen Institute links up with, obviously you're, you're all you know, incredibly inspiring bunch. But um, you know, the age-old question. Go on then. Um, where do you get get your inspiration from? Um, uh, what are you reading or watching or listening to, etc.? Mm. Uh, well, of course, it is all kinds of uh, all kinds of sources. Mm. Um, uh, we have, uh, well, as I as I mentioned before, we have a lot of internal discussions all the time uh, mm. because we tend to read different things. So mm. actually, when whenever we have a, a topic that we need to know about, we always you know put it up in our. Um, in our uh, uh, team messaging system and we're like oh can, does anybody can anybody refer to important reports and and the likes in 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 relation to a specific topic and yep. and it, always i'd say someone has read or knows uh, something about <laughs> mm. about uh, any given topic um so i do of course read a lot of different reports for uh, for for my work um mm. that is um uh, that is a given um but on on the side i I would actually like to say that I uh, I tend to have uh, I'm always reading uh, two books at the mm -hmm. same time at least, yep. um, and uh, that is because uh, I I love to read um, uh, popular science books or you know the 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 kind of uh, where you get uh, a lot of knowledge presented to you in a more easy format uh, mm -hmm. than when you read all the different reports at work um, mm. and and um, and then I also have uh, a little secret love for true crime oh, right. so uh, um, and don't ask me why but I think it's um, it's um, it just uh, makes me kind of uh, turn off my brain for a <laughs> a little while and just um and just enjoy um so i'm i'm actually i'm i don't know if you can say reading but listening to podcasts at the moment which is called uh, mörkeland uh, it's a it's a danish podcast true crime uh it's it's um translated into a uh, dark land mm -hmm. um and i listen to that uh once in a while i think it's once a week uh and then on um on my um at my bedside, um, I have a, a book at the moment called The Number Bias. Mm -hmm. It's, um, uh, what is her name? She, uh, Sanne Blau, I think she's Dutch. Uh, she has a, a PhD. I don't know if you know it, John. Uh, I don't know. No. Um, she has a PhD in, in, um, in econometrics, I think. So has been working with statistics her entire life. Yeah. Uh, and then became a journalist. But she is um, 
in in a really an amazing way she is uh, showing through examples how we are kind of uh, sometimes stuck in a numbers paradigm so uh, fixated on numbers and statistics and but how we always have to be aware of the story behind because numbers are never almost never neutral in the mm. sense that oh, uh, they have been Amazing. put together by by someone and she uses so many examples uh, again from also Trump um and and uh, but also showing us the history of actually why did we start to use um statistics and numbers and um and she tells us about Florence Nightingale as one of the first uh, uh persons who would actually use statistics in order to show that well all the soldiers I'm getting in the reason why I'm di- why they're dying uh, in large numbers is not because of their gunshots or being wounded in war. It's actually be- it's avoidable deaths. It's because mm-hmm. we have horrible. Uh, um, I mean, it's it's not hygienic. Uh, sure. You know, yeah. just, so 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 she used that as actually getting better uh, ways of care uh, by by using statistics. So it's it's yeah yeah. It's really I can really recommend it. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, I get that. But I have to say, going back slightly, talking about um, true crime and whatever, and talk about perhaps fictional crime for a second, uh, with uh, all things sort of uh, perhaps sort of a year or so again now, sort of you know, Scandic noir. Um, I do remember actually being in um, uh, in Heathrow Airport as uh, I was flying off to LA, and um, uh, and um, I saw the murderer from the from the bridge, you know, um, obviously the, the bridge that connects uh, Copenhagen to Malmo. And I remember I was in a ca- in a coffee shop in sort of Terminal Five, and I happened to see the murderer, and so I shouted out, "Oh my God, it's you, the murderer!" And obviously, uh, it caused a bit of sort of consternation. He actually was very pleased because he was with his wife, and I was the first person in the public that had actually recognised him. So he was a uh, delighted to be unmasked but uh, there we are um <laughs> but um but gone as we move to the end of this and it's been so interesting uh, talking with you tamira thanks um so gone there perhaps just give us a, a just a uh, just a quick recap on a the sort of a, the, the next big thing that's happening for you in terms of what's coming up perhaps uh, over the next sort of a few months or whatever and then just um yeah then perhaps give a few sort of takeaway points that uh, uh, the listeners may uh, be able to uh, Sure, sure. Um, well, as we um, as we started uh, our, uh, our our conversation, um, we started talking about my uh, my planning of a circumnavigation. Um, yeah, and that is uh, my next big thing. Not not that it's ha- going to happen in <laughs> over the next couple of months, <laughs> because it is rather a large puzzle. Um, but it is something that uh, I'm I'm uh, really looking. Uh, so much uh, forward to mm-hmm. um, as kind of a, uh, it will be, um, um, it will be kind of like a, a little break in, uh, in life, uh, a way to kind of uh, um, think about life as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Think about what the future has in store uh, for me personally and, and, and my family. Uh, but also, um, also actually, building on uh, um, all these aspects that sailing involves. Uh, so, so we talked about sustainability. Um, yeah. 
sailing is sustainable living. Uh, and I love yeah, that yeah. fact about sailing, um, mm. that when you're on a boat, you really think about how much water you're using because yeah. you don't have uh, infinite, um, infinite amount mm. of, of, of water on board. Uh, the same goes for food. Um, the same goes for understanding you're, you're in the now you're you're looking at okay you have a destination mm-hmm. uh, so you're very focused on actually reaching that destination looking at okay are the winds changing do I have to uh, change uh, sails uh, mm. do I have to uh, uh, look out for something that is uh, underneath the water surface mm. uh, so all these things where you're kind of um, well, you've set you've set a direction. You have a strategy. You have a goal, right? Um, but you still have to navigate because all of a sudden things can change. Mm. Um, and it's it's uh, it's actually something that is um, not just profession professionally, but also personally is is uh, is becoming kind of like a, a tool for me in navigating life. Thinking about what would I do if I was sailing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and using that as kind of like a, a yeah, uh, um, a way of uh, uh, understanding that you cannot really predict uh, the wind, but you can, you can, you can navigate and you can change and you can uh, adjust your sails, right? Mm. Um, so in that sense, and then of course, also in terms of uh, the, the, the next big thing in life is that uh, when we finally reach to do this circumnavigation, um, well, it will be, I will be in my, in my perfect spot, right? Because it will be a matter mm. of, of, of uh, visiting and exploring new cultures, different cultures, uh, new ways of behaviors, understanding why that is, what are the contexts for that? And, 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 uh, and really trying to understand how we're so uh, different and yet how we're still so much the same in the end, often. Mm-hmm. How interesting. I had to say about that on the sailing side of things, I remember years ago reading the, the epic book, um, A Voyage for Mad Men, about the uh, 1968 solo around the world, um, um, sort of a race, whatever, competition. And um just at that point in 1968, essentially a lot of the, um, if you like, the technology um, that, that the uh, using then was effectively technology that really hadn't changed since the, since the sort of Middle Ages in many yeah. ways, uh, and uh, just the uh, the litany of epic disasters um, that befell them, uh, along with some sort of um, epic bravery, etc. But mm. uh, a stunning mm. book. But certainly that idea you've been talking there about. Um, no, but I think that you're right. Of course, we have a lot of uh, technology now available, mm. um, but it actually also feels feeds into this whole way, the Anthropocene, uh, mm. where yeah, where yeah. where we as people are thinking that we can control nature or trying mm. to control nature. Yeah, yeah. When you're sailing and and you're far away from land, you cannot really control nature, right? You can yeah, be hit yeah. by a storm, and I kind of course i don't prefer to be hit by a storm but i kind of like that thinking that we cannot control everything um it it, it makes kind of like my uh, i become humble for mother nature and 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 feel thankful for my life and and uh, yeah uh, privileged really so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, certainly, it's saying in sort of on the sort of philosophical angle, it goes right back to the ancient Greeks and 
Heraclitus, who said, uh, you know, obviously assume that nothing is stable because nothing is and yeah. um, nothing's changed. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah those, exactly. Um, but um, and then go on then. So um, uh, it, just in terms of uh, where the listeners can actually track you down then, um, uh, but Tamira, go on then. So where are you on things like social media, et cetera? So, uh, oh, that is ve- that's very easy. Just by my name. I think you can find me everywhere uh, on yeah. uh, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook, just my name. Straightforward, Tamira Snell. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, Tamira, it's been absolutely fascinating talking with you. Thank you so much Likewise. for your time. And so, uh, yeah, so Tamira Snell, uh, Senior Advisor at the fantastic Copenhagen Institute for Future Studies. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Likewise. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the New Abnormal podcast. We hope you enjoyed it please leave a rating, tell your friends, and until next time, goodbye.